Am I following you up there, buddy?
Does this work? <laughs> Praise the Lord. We have a bittersweet moment to deal with right here. That is that my friend is leaving town. And she didn't want me to probably even say anything. But I want to honor Debbie Close. Just for a moment. And pray for you. There are people all around you. You might not even know it. But there are probably at least two parties being arranged in your honor. (laughs) But you snuck up on us and you're leaving Tuesday. (laughs) So we won't have time to get those together. But Debbie Close has been uh, an integral part of this church for a hundred years I think you know there and, and I don't know if you want to jump in here but I know there's some of our young people who now are married and have kids that you have been absolutely instrumental in forming their lives and someone sitting here this morning like you guys might want to just come and hug her just want to do something spontaneous here. Come on. Really, you, get out of your seats. Come. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Telling you, I'm giving you a direction. <laughs> Reminds me of the song by Ray Bolts. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I'm a life that was changed. And all these lives, I know for some of you, this is maybe knowledge you don't have, but you know, some of these people hugging her were born here and raised in the kids' church, super church, kids' zone. We have had lots of names. We've attempted plenty of programs around here with whirly birds and all kinds of things. And, but whatever the name has been, whatever the activity or the prompting has been or the program or the ministry content, Debbie's always been one of those extremely consistent, faithful, show-up-for-duty people that has a heart for kids and for young people. And uh, she's just poured out her life year after year after year, kind of silently, not asking for much in return, ever. Just sincerely saying, I just want to serve the Lord. I want to be in His presence. I want to honor Him and help others know Him. And if we had taken the time this morning, we could probably spend hours just rehearsing events and moments that she has uh, poured into the lives of these people that are hugging her this morning. You probably don't even remember how old you were when you first met Debbie, huh? And it's been a privilege to serve alongside her. She's taken the lead of our children's ministries for seasons. and But even when she wasn't leading, she was always teaching. You couldn't, you know, you couldn't pry her out of there. Uh, I mean, not that she wanted to be or that we needed to, but this, this, the point of she being grafted in so closely and so tightly to desiring to serve young people. Pray for her, will you? Let's pray for her. Can we pray for her? Can you stretch your hands out towards her? Oh, God. Father, we do thank you for the sacrificial service she's been and how she's given sacrificially to so many. She's worked behind the scenes, done all the unseen things. Lord, would you bless her today? And Lord, it's so hard when one leaves 
Their hearts are torn, but the bonds are strong and they're forever. They're eternal. Lord, we pray for her as she goes. We pray for your strength to enclose her, Lord, in your comforting presence. And Lord, we do pray for a fellowship of believers where she would be grafted into in that place where she can worship and exalt your name and minister. And Lord, we pray for her family. We pray for a brother that's got cancer. We ask, oh God, for the soul of this young man. We pray, Father God, for his healing of his heart. We pray for her children. We pray for her husband. We ask, God, for your miracle working power in this family. That as she goes and she follows this man she's married to. Would you do a miracle in them? Yes, Lord. Oh, God, you can do beyond what we can imagine or think, and we can dream real big. Oh, yes. But we ask, oh, God, that you will loose that upon her. May, oh, God, she know your comforting presence every moment, every mile that she drives away, and know that she's always home here and can always return. Lord, bless her. Bless her. We ask it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you so much. God, you're my friend. You forgive me, won't you? She wanted to sneak out of town, not tell anybody, because she thought this would be too hard. And, and you know, it's, it, it's hard, but it's good. You know, we need to be able to express our love and express our, our care to her and, and know that she, we're with her when she's gone, that it's not a slip out in the night thing. Uh, she's too much a part of us to slip out into the night. I'm grateful to God she's here. Amen. <laughs> she told me she wasn't coming today. And I go in the parking lot and I saw her car and I say, God, you're amazing. <laughs> she got a ticket yesterday talking to me on the cell phone telling me she was leaving. <laughs> you need to take up an offering to cover that. <laughs> and I, I thought that was terrible, but I was, I was so aghast that she was leaving that quickly without giving us our hearts a chance to prepare for it. And so, anyway, she's here, and we love you. Give you your wall back there. You'll recover. Maybe we could send us along with you. You could shake that up at Christmas. What do you say? Would you remember us if we did that? I go the other way, but it does this squawks, you know. So. A little lighthouse on the mountain there in the globe. Turn with me to the Gospel of John this morning, if you would. Spend a few minutes in His Word together. Wow. 
Family. Family, family, family. On Father's Day, my message this morning is the ten things that all fathers do wrong. No, it's not. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to preach a, preach a message like that. If you're interested in that message, you can just come to my house later and I'll tell you what they are. So I'm sure I've done, if there's ten, I'm sure I've done them all. Uh, John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Excuse me. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And this man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. And he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I've had people in the church before come to me and tell me, Pastor, we want you to understand that we love the church, we love your preaching and all that, but we will not be with you on Father's Day or Mother's Day. They've gone to explain that the reason for that was that the grief and the trauma and the difficulty of their own home, their own home environment, the one they grew up in, or even the one they conducted themselves as a couple, was filled with so much grief, filled with so much destruction, that they would not come to a service <clears throat> where fathers and mothers would be honored. So it was just too hard, just too difficult. And I, I would think that one of two things is happening with us this morning. Is there are a number of those that are not in the seats around you. Those are empty seats for that reason. Or hopefully, they're off with their fathers having Father's Day. I'm going to choose Part B to focus on. But I know that Part A exists. And even for some of us who do gather, it's still difficult. Tears flow, memories come, and the less than ideal circumstance that you or I may have been raised in floods back into our memory. But I truly believe that God causes us to gather and to discuss these kinds of things from His Word because we need healing. He wants us to be present where His Word is preached so that life can come again to us and not just patch up the wounded spots, but to open them Cause the grief and worry or the strife or the hurt to come out and to let the love of our Father in heaven pour in so that there comes a health and life back into us again. He wants us whole. He wants us living an abundant life. He wants us to understand who we are 
in him. And that is my goal this morning, at least partially in speaking on this message, authority to become sons. Today I'm not going to dwell, dwell on your fathers or my fathers who may mention my own along the way or my own fatherhood or, or you know, the spectacular home that, that we have. As he shakes his head and says, agree with me, my house is perfect. But we want to focus on the Father and the fact that He has called us to be His sons and daughters. Verse 12 is the key verse this morning. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right, authority, to become children of God. This word authority in the Greek is one of the four power words of the New Testament. It's the word energeo. Energeo, if you want to say it that way, but energeo, energy, is the word that we get from it. Dunamis is another power word. You may know that from Acts 1.8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That is a supernatural, spiritual ability that is not your own. That's dynamic, dynamite-ish, kind of explosive, supernatural power that comes from God. That's one kind of power. But this authority word, this energeo, means uh, that is given to you a privilege that you could not earn. It is a, a granting of a gift of authority into your life that you cannot purchase, you cannot select. It just comes to you because you're a child of God. I've used this illustration numerous times when we talk about the, the, the officer or the firefighter. Those would be very obvious to us who uh, wear a badge on their Uniform, And when they get up in the morning, they put their uniform on and they're really a nobody. But when they slip that badge into that holder right there, that's energeo. That's authority. That is given to them to act behind this badge. You know, I was glad last night leaving church, going home, and I, I hope it was none of ours, but I don't hope it ever to be anyone. But there was an accident right here at the corner of Baldwin and the highway. As we were driving home, the two fire engines and rescue people all over the street and sweeping up. And, and uh, of course, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm going to do what these guys are directing me to do. They've got a stop sign. They've got a hose. Whatever they've got, I'm going to respond to their directives because they're the ones with the badges. They're the ones with the energeo. They're the ones with the right, the privilege, the authority to direct what's happening. And I'm going to do nothing but get in the way, be a looky-loo and cause a problem. You and I, when we receive Jesus Christ, and let me ask the question plainly, have you received Him? Amen. Have you invited Jesus into your life? If so, then you have been granted authority and the right and the privilege to be called and to actually be sons and daughters of God Himself. Have you come to understand that there are no grandchildren in God? Everyone's directly related. Everyone is personally born again by Him, by His Spirit. As many as received them, to them He gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in His name, that's our role, that's our task, that's our one thing to do is simply to believe and to accept that Jesus Christ is who He says He was and that by His work we are able to be in his family. The Bible says that he has made us accepted in the beloved. Jesus being the beloved or the beloved one. Through Christ we are accepted by the Father. Only through Christ. Jesus was the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father unless he comes through me. 
And he didn't say that to bar people away. He did that to open the door and say, I am the way. Come on in. I'm not just showing the way. I am the way. Come through me. Look at this task that the Father had to demonstrate his love to you. Romans 5.8 God demonstrates his love toward us in this. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He took the initiative. The Father in heaven said, These are my children. This is my creation. These are those I created and formed in the womb to have fellowship with and to know them intimately and them to know me. These are the ones I want to hang out with. But there's a problem. There's a sin problem that's between us. What will I do? It wasn't that he was at a loss for a plan. He was able to implement his plan and simply said, This is what I'll do. I'll send my only son who will take on the form of mankind incarnate. He'll take on flesh. He'll come like us. He'll look like us. He'll make the Father visible to us. And this one and only Son would come and dwell among us. As it says here in verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory, the glory as the, of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And He dwelt among us walked and demonstrated and became, in fact, the living illustration of the Word of God. He is the Word. He's the living Word. And He came to demonstrate who the Father was. Philip, talking to Jesus, said, show us the Father and it will suffice us. That's a King James Version. And Jesus says back to him and says, Philip, have I been with you so long you haven't figured it out yet? That if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus, when he prayed, as we know the culmination of his prayer life, said, not my will, but yours be done. I only do those things I see my Father in heaven doing. I only say those things I hear my Father saying. Jesus came as the ambassador for his father. He came as the son to demonstrate who the father was. He made it possible for us to have someone, if you will, to touch, to look like us, to feel, to live with, to walk with, to talk with, to interact with. And all the time they were interacting with Jesus the son, they were interacting with the father. By the way, when it says that Jesus came and filled with grace and truth, some of us need to be free of this next sentence. We need to be free of an issue in our life that binds us to the law. Jesus came with grace and truth. Moses came with the law, right? Look at verse 16. It says, Of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I read just this weekend a statement that says the Bible can be summed up this way. The Old Testament, the whole Old Testament says, He's coming. The whole New Testament says, He's here. There's the Old Testament and the New Testament in four words. He's coming. He's here. The law, as Paul told us, was a schoolmaster. It was the the uh, taskmaster that 
laid over the top of us restrictions and commandments that said, basically, if you can't keep all of them, then you're guilty of all of them. If you break one of them, you're guilty of all of them. Anybody ever lied? Have you ever told one lie? Have you ever done one wrong thing? The Bible concludes that if you have done one thing wrong, if you've broken any one of God's laws, you're guilty of breaking all of them. That means that if you're just a little fibber, you just told a little lie, then God sees you as guilty as a murderer. God sees you as guilty as an adulterer under the law. And in that condition, Paul said, there is no hope. That would be a hopeless condition. You, know, you could just keep coming back for parole and they would never let you out. Well, he's been good for a hundred years. Doesn't count. Guilty of t- telling a little lie. And well, treat him like a murderer. Put him back. Treat him like a whatever, a thief, a, a scoundrel. He's guilty of all of it. But I just told this one little lie. Yeah, well, you've broken God's law. And the law told us we could never measure up to God's standard of holiness and righteousness. Aren't you glad this says that Jesus came full of grace and truth? (laughs) Because when he came, he said, here's the good news. That's why we call it the good news, the gospel. The good news is you can't, but I can. You can't measure up, but I can. The Bible says, Paul writes for St. Corinthians, that him who knew no sin, the man who lived without ever sinning, became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is the right, this is the authority to become sons and daughters of God. We receive of His grace. Lord, I can't. You can. I surrender. I give it up. I confess to you I've sinned at least once. Let's not talk about the rest. But Lord, on that one, I know I'm guilty of everything. But by Your grace and by Your truth, would You forgive me? Would You forgive me and come into my life? And as we sang this morning, and you were getting pretty excited about that, singing that set free part. I heard you. You were getting excited about that. I've been set free. Yeah, you were on it. You were singing that with power. Because you know it to be truth. Hallelujah. I am going to sing that song all week. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. You know, like hanging out with Pastor Floyd, encroaching on Darlene's house, hanging around too long, thinking about putting an addition on for me so I can just move in. But he stimulated my thinking so many times on this point that I'm not sure I can even articulate it, but we've talked about the fact that we often take the word of God and interpret Jesus by it. I say this is how Jesus was. But when we look at the life of Jesus, he actually interprets the word for us. If we see it living in Jesus, then we find it in the word and it agrees with who he is because he is the word alive. He's the word in life form. He is the living word of God. Now, I know that sounds simple, but if you dwell on that, it will transform your thinking. Because when we see Jesus walking on the earth, he's saying, I'm demonstrating the Father. I'm just walking out the life of the Father in front of you. This is how it is to be a son of God. 
We read the word, we say, that's Jesus. That's like Jesus. Jesus went about healing, setting people free, delivering those who were bound, bringing good news to the captives and unloosing their chains, as we sang this morning. And he was the Son of God. Now, the Father says, if you've received him, now you have the right and the authority to be just like Jesus. This is going to be a step up for us today here. Come on. Just like Jesus? You're not going to be Jesus, but you get to be just like Jesus in that if you're a son of God, you're a daughter of God, then now you are alive on the earth to walk and demonstrate who the Father is. Your relationship with the Father is going to be like this. Like that guy I used to work for up here was a contractor. I said, do you know Jesus? He said, me and Jesus? Well, we're tighter than the skin on a golf ball. (laughs) And I had to really think about that because that's pretty tight. You and the Father are supposed to be that tight in relationship. Now, this is where some of the hurdles come in because we tend to think of God like we do our earthly parents. We tend to look at our earthly father and try and relate that way to the heavenly father. Some of us need to erase that image and say, I'm getting a new start. Listen, my father was an alcoholic. My father, by the time I was six and seven, my mom packed us up and left because the hitting was starting and the beating was happening and the abuse was occurring. And when it finally left her and hit the oldest son, the oldest brother in my family, she said, that's it. It's hitting the kids now and we're out of here. She just came home one day and said, we're going for a drive. We never went back. We never packed anything. She said, we're going, we're going to go. And I remember somebody, might even have been myself, saying, well, what about Dad? Because Dad was out on a tractor. We lived on a farm in Illinois. He was out on a tractor somewhere in a field, which was the prime time to leave. And she came home and said, hop in, we're going for a drive. What about Dad? He'll find out later. Okay. I think the end of the sentence was, he'll come and join us. I saw my dad twice after that in my rest of my life. Once after I had come to Christ and I took a trip back to Illinois to share Jesus with him. To which he said, that's nice. Good for you. That wasn't my hope. My hope was that he would break down, repent, and ask Jesus to forgive him and find heaven and eternal life and all those things. And I was ambitious about it. But I remember being kind of rejected in the back seat of the car as we drove along. I thought, that's it? I came 2,300 miles to share this with you, the best news that ever happened. And you go, that's nice. The next time I saw him, he was in his casket. Now, that's not a good father image. Hello? That's like receiving the father wound. That's the rejection of the father. That's a father who loved the bottle more than his kids. That's a dad who couldn't get it together enough to keep his family. Well, that's the image I grew up with. That's what a dad is. And then I come to know the father, the heavenly father. And do I try and take those attributes of my earthly father and post them in front of the heavenly father and say, you must be like my dad? No, but we do it. And sometimes we do it subconsciously and it holds us back in relationship and we say, he's unapproachable. I remember standing in a service and the father started speaking to me. See, and this is how healing comes when you're in the presence of God, where the word of God's preached, where worship happens. He says, you're treating me like you treat your earthly father. My father was dead by then. I said, I don't understand. He said, that's why we're talking, right? (laughs) He's going to help me. I don't understand. Help me. He said, well, 
Think about your earthly father. What was he like to you? I said he was distant. I think he loved me, but he was so far away, I could never really know that. But I do know that he sent me money at Christmas every year, and my mom would put it in the little sock and say, this is from your dad, which I found out later was a lie. She extracted it from him in all the court proceedings and made him give it to her. <laughs> and then she put it in the sock to be the night to help us believe we had a nice dad. So I said, well, I, I've, I, he's distant, he loves me, and he sends me gifts. He says, that's how you're relating to me. You treat me like I'm on the other side of the universe, and you think I love you, but you won't let me demonstrate it. But you know I'll give you the things you need. And so I've just become this distant supplier. And I began to break. I said, Father, I don't want you to be like that. And I don't want to hold you captive to my earthly father's demeanor or character. You're way above that. Would you come and set me free? And here's what he did. He said, you need to forgive your father. I said, now I've already let the cat out of the bag. Generally, if I tell the story, I don't tell it till the end that my father was already dead for 10 years. He says, you need to forgive him. I said, how's that going to work? He says, it's going to happen in you, not in him. He says, you need, you've got him caged like a bird in this, and you're not going to let him out. You're going to hold him forever guilty of leaving you, for, you know, abandoning you, all those things you've thought about him. You need to forgive him. He just holds your hands up like that and think of him as a bird in the cage and just say it. I release you. I forgive you. I'm letting you go. I'm not going to hold this against you anymore. And God gave me an insight that really helped me in saying that if my dad was to walk into my office as a pastor, I would, I would evaluate him as a man who needed help. I would see him as a hurting person. I would see him as a, a man captive by the world and the devil and the flesh. And I would immediately want to love him and pray for him and help him get help him get connected with maybe even a 12-step program or just pray for his deliverance, let the Holy Ghost break him free. And I would see him in a totally different light as an adult to an adult. So I held my hands up and I said, Okay, Father, I'm going to do this. Dad, I forgive you. You were a weak man. You didn't have the strength to hold it together. Thank God for Mom. Amen. Shift to Mother's Day here. But... And I said, and I forgive you, and I release you. And something happened inside my spirit, and I was free. Now I have direct access to the Heavenly Father. There are no bars. There's no, there's no um, you know, schematic in front of it. I just get to walk in and sit in the Father's lap. And He loves me, and He says this, I give you the right, the authority, to be my son. I said, well, if I'm your son... And Jesus says to us in John fourteen twelve, he says, Greater works than these shall you do, because I'm going to the Father. And I read that passage and I think, I don't see this happening in, I'm going to be kind of accusive here, in the Western church. I don't see it in the American church. I see us read these passages that say, Greater works than these shall you do, because I go to the Father. And we take it and say, well, that's not working here, so let's put an X through the verse. Let's say that our experience now will interpret the scripture. should be the other way around, shouldn't it? Say, well, I pray for people and they don't get healed. Therefore, my experience overrides the Bible. Hear what I'm saying? 
Here, let me give you a little more Bible. I get to be a son of God. I am now a hand-picked, according to the Amplified Bible, I am a hand-picked representative of God. Jesus is no longer on the earth. You and I are. And the Holy Spirit has come and caused us to be born again. John chapter 3, Jesus talking to Nicodemus. Don't marvel that I tell you, you got to be born again. You need to be born of the water and the Spirit. That which is flesh is flesh. That which is spirit is spirit. You can't do what you have to do in a fleshly way. You can't do it in a natural category. You've got to rise above the natural. You have to become supernatural. You need to be born again by the Holy Spirit of God. And God regenerates who we are and makes us uh, and gives us the right to be sons and daughters. And we get to walk in that. Therefore, when I go out every day, I am representing the Father. The world is going to see you and see me and say, that's what Jesus is like. That's what the Father's like. We are the body of Christ. Am I on track here with you? Yes. Am I doing okay? My doctor's not off in a ditch somewhere, I don't think. I think I'm okay here. That you and I are now called to live in this authority, to put on the badge that says we, could, we didn't earn it. It came by grace and truth. It, it didn't come by my measuring up to the law. I didn't ever get one. Amen? I think of our kids, you know, it's Father's Day, and you can digress into all kinds of stories, but all of us with our kids, haven't we all given them something they did not deserve? Huh? So, you know, if you take out the trash, you, do, you know, we teach them character, you take out the trash, we give them the law, that's what we do. You do this, 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 and this, and this, and then you can have this. Ooh, man, my mind just ran back to when I lived on the farm. Oh, I had chores when I was six. Everybody does something on the farm, right? And a new movie had come out. Well, movies, that was a big deal. You had to go drive a long ways to get to a theater. Some people weren't allowed to go there, right? And we were going to go see, our family's going to go see this movie. And my, my mom had said to me, now your job is to vacuum the living room. I mean, one of them big old long vacuum cleaners that slid around on railings and big holes. I could barely manage the thing. But that was my job. She said, that, you have to get that done. And then, and then that's, what, that's your ticket into the movie. I said, great. Well, I was so excited about going to the movie, I forgot all about doing the living room. So they were, everybody's getting ready to go. And this was crushing. They came to me and said, we're going now. But you are not. I said, what? She says, you never did do your part. And in my mind, I'm thinking, ah, she's going to take me anyway, right? They drove off without me. Poor little kid. Stayed home on the farm all by himself because he didn't do his chores. Hmm. I sure wish that would have been the day they gave me what I didn't deserve. Because grace is not getting what you deserve and getting what you don't deserve. Sons and daughters of God. We have the authority. The Bible says that they, he came to his own, but his own didn't receive him. Who was his own? Those were the Jews. Those, he was the Messiah for the Jews, right? came to his own, but his own received him none. But then he turned and said, everybody can get in. Romans chapter 8 says it this way, verse 12, Therefore, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. There's a capital S that's talking about the Holy Spirit. You received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, 
Abba, Father. Abba. This extremely powerful term of endearment in their Aramaic language. Abba, my dear Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. An heir of God. A joint heir with Jesus. Joint heirs with Jesus. And we need to, like, put that on our forehead for a week. You know, I, I realize that some of us are just going, I don't get it. And you don't for a while. But if you can go down to your real estate company or some lawyer and say, tell me about joint heir. What does it mean? Quite simply, it means whatever they have is yours. Whatever they have is mine? Yeah. If you're a joint heir, everything they have is yours. Oh. Oh? Direct access to the Father. No barriers. Power. Authority. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Let me share a story with you. And um, I get to meet this gentleman this week. His name is Dion Robert. He's the pastor of a church on the Ivory Coast. Anybody know where the Ivory Coast is? It's not a popular spot. Yeah, Africa goes kind of like this. It's over here. I know you're not going to be able to see that online when you listen to this online, so just look to your left. No, I'm just kidding. John Robert started a church in 1975 in the Ivory Coast with three people in his living room. Himself, his wife, and his daughter. 1975. How many years is that now? 34? 34 years. Today, his church has 185,000 people in cell groups. Thousands of cell groups all over the Ivory Coast. Planted churches all over the world. Dion had over 100,000 cells and desired to invade the demon-infested guac in the center of Ivory Coast. It's a town. It's an area. Hundreds of cell members moved lock, stock, and barrel to plant cells there. The seeds planted grew. It was harvest time. Dion asked 1,000 of his cell leaders to accompany him to this place to counsel new converts. They booked the largest soccer stadium available. This town is the center for many cults, including Rosicrucians. A death threat was sent out from these cults, warning Dion to stay away. He called the cell leaders together and told them about this and offered to release any who were afraid. The morning for their journey up a small two-lane road through the jungle to Boak arrived. And I don't know if I'm saying that word correctly, the city name. All the buses and vans rentable were packed with cell leaders driving in procession for the long journey. Dion was in the last van at the end of the line. Halfway up, a lumber truck veered into an oncoming bus with 20 cell leaders inside, sheared the cab from the frame, and it rolled down a steep embankment. All the passengers were dead or dying. 
Bjorn finally arrived. He slid down the side of the hill where the bodies were stretched out, wept and prayed over the scene, gave orders for the care of the corpses, and returned to his journey. He went directly to the stadium and preached to a crowd of thousands. Several thousand were converted and counseled by the cell leaders. An American pastor from Houston had been riding with Dion. After the service, he said, Dion, I'm amazed at you. I was so shattered by those deaths. I could never have preached tonight. Dion poked his finger in the American preacher's chest and said, That's the trouble with you American Christians. You think there's good and evil like black and white, but you've got so many shades of gray between them. Here in the Ivory Coast, there's no gray, only God and the devil. I am a general in the army of God. I sent my soldiers into battle. The enemy took out 20 of our army, but we have brought salvation to thousands of Satan's army tonight. Don't you see? We're in a battle. I think it's going to be a privilege to meet this guy. I'll pray something rubs off and bring it home. You know, in his compound where his church is located, he's got a building that has several floors in it. And the ground floor is set apart for one purpose. And that is to set the captives free. It's actually used for casting out demons. 24-7. I talk about a house of prayer. Everybody that comes to Christ in the Ivory Coast has demon problems because demon worship is rampant. Everybody grows up with it. So when you come to Christ, there's no question. You've got a problem. And we're going to help you deal with it. This author says, When I went to preach for Dion in a 40,000 seat stadium, he said to me, and I can't, I don't know him, so I, I, my, my tone may be wrong. But this is how I see it. He said, do you want to see the demon possessed in the audience? He asked all the believers to come down from the stands and dance before the Lord. They formed a line and saying, Jesus is higher. Satan is under. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the nearly empty stands, the demon possessed began to writhe and scream in pain as demons began to manifest. Teams of six, the people in the lines, they knew what was going to happen. They're trained. Teams of six ran to pick them up, carry them horizontally to the deliverance ministry where they ministered to them until they were free. Now there's a service. (laughs) 40,000 people. He says, I don't know. If it had been me and I had that kind of thing, I'd say, hey, you want to see something? Watch this. We're just going to lift Jesus higher. And we did that here today. I am so proud of you today. I so enjoyed our worship time. I felt like it was way beyond singing. And uh, we, we entered in and we uh, I thought all the glory to him. Don't interrupt the moment. It's his. No flesh in his presence here. Let's let him have it all. And in that moment is when people can come into this sonship. Come into this, he's my father. There's no separation between he and I. He accepts me as I am. You know, some people say he loves me so much he's not willing to leave me like I am. And that's a hopeful thought, isn't it? But I'm now, you know, you need to read this with me, 1 John chapter 3. And then we'll, we'll, 
wrap this up. First John, actually we're going to back into chapter 2, a couple of verses. First John 2.28 And now, say that with me, now. When? And now, little children, abide in Him. That when He appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of Him. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it didn't know Him. And you'd have to agree with me that before you knew Him, you didn't like to know other people who knew Him either. Right? We didn't know them. We didn't know Him. Beloved, now. What? When? 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 Now. Now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He's revealed... We shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope, this confident expectation, not just some wistful, ethereal hope, it's a confident expectation that we're going to see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies Himself just as He is pure. When are we children of God? Now. When are we sons of God, daughters of God? Now. When do we represent the Father on the earth? When are we the body of Christ? Now. Paul wrote to his disciples, didn't he, and said, You are our living letters. You are living epistles. We've written the gospel into your lives. And we don't need letters of recommendation from other people to commend us. We have you walking about on the earth as living epistles of Jesus Christ. They read you and they understand who the Father is because they see Him in your life. How we need to turn things right side up again. I'm I'm not just down on the church in America, but I think we're weak and we're losing ground. We have decided to explain God away. We've decided to say this is why people don't get healed. This is why people aren't dispossessed of demons and it's you know we're going to send them to therapy for a few years and put them on medications and we're going to do all kinds of things because we've dumbed down and made a powerless gospel jesus the son of god came to set the captives free he didn't hire counselors to do it he just laid hands on them he raised them from the dead and he says now you go and do likewise and we have been just a little afraid to step out in faith and to believe that God was going to do miracles through our hands and through our lives. We've made it diminished. I'm glad to be able to go and hang out with somebody this week who's got no boundaries, it sounds like to me. It's like, we're going to go get them. We're going to attack the city. We're going to take the captives. It's going to cost us some lives, but that's just part of the deal. They're all going to be in heaven ahead of us. And yes, we mourn their loss and we take care of their families. But we are about the kingdom business. We're supposed to be walking in the earth like that. When you leave here today, would you just remind yourself that you're a child of God? Let me tell you something about the psyche in your brain. Let me tell you about the little bit of what goes on inside your little gray matter. Okay? Everybody have one? Check. Got one. 
Jesus told us that out of the abundance of the what? The heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If I begin to let my speech align with the word of God, here's what happens in your brain. Somebody else could prove this to you, but it is provable. You ever seen a little uh, an empty lot full of weeds growing up? I know there's one over on the corner, the south uh, east corner of Meadow and Greenway near the airport. It's just grown up there, but there's a path that runs through that lot because nobody wants to walk the street and go around it when they can cut through. And so here's this lot full of weeds. Now, if you were to start on this end of the lot over here and walk through the lot just walk through the weeds, and you got to the other side and looked back, what would you see? You'd see the little weeds kind of treaded down, but after a while they'd stand back up, wouldn't they? If you didn't bother them anymore. But if tomorrow you come by, or on your way home you walk the same path, and then you look back, what, they're having a harder time getting up now. And if you did that for about a week, or maybe a month, or in the case of that lot I was mentioning, kids ride their bikes through there, everybody walks. It's kind of funny because it's not a straight path. It just sort of winds through. And there must have been rocks or something in the way at the time when it started. But there it is. It's very apparent that when you come to this corner of this lot, you go, oh, there's the way through. It's treaded down. It's just dirt. And there's weeds on both sides of it. You've created a pathway. When you say to yourself, I'm a child of God, you're walking through the weeds of your mind. You need a renewed mind. Paul said, Romans chapter 12, too. We need to have our minds renewed by the word of God. When I agree with the word of God and my mouth speaks it, it becomes the abundance of my heart. It fills my heart with the truth and I begin to speak it. When I speak it, my ears hear it. And so faith comes by hearing and speaking in agreement with the word of God. So every day I wake up and I say, hey, I'm a child of the father. Hey, I'm a child of the father. I'm a son of God. And I'm going to make these pathways through my mind. And it makes actually connections in your in the brain that causes you to take on exactly what you're saying. The other side of it works the other way. You're a louse, you're no good, the devil says you're nothing, you'll never achieve. And you repeat those things, you begin to believe those things, and those are the pathways in your mind. A lot of us need to change the way we're speaking and what we believe according to the Word of God. Let's line up our speech with what God says about us. I give you authority. I give you the right. I give you the privilege to be sons just like Jesus to me. I sent him so you'd know how to do it. Now go. Jesus said, he breathed on them, right? He said, as the Father sent me, so send I you. We're living below our means. On this Father's Day, we're the children of the King. We're the children of the Father of the universe. And he believes you can do anything in Him. In Him. Father, this morning, I pray that you'll begin even now helping us to repeat what your Word says. God, that you will help us conduct pathways in our mind. That you would give us strength to pull down every vain imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against you by the mighty, powerful spiritual weapons that you provide us. Help us to be in your Word. Help us not just to be in it, but to hear it, to see it, to feel it. Let it become life to our whole body and health to us. Lord, when we are in pain, help us to remember that by your stripes we're healed. 
When our provision seems small, help us to remember that my God will supply all my needs according to His riches in glory. When my sin is apparent, help me to understand that when I confess my sins, you are faithful and just to forgive my sin and to cleanse me again from all unrighteousness. Help me to see your word when it says that he who had no sin became sin for me, that I might be made the righteousness of God, the righteousness of Christ to you. Lord, bring us into relationship in such a way that we cannot deny that we are your children and that the world can never tell us otherwise. Give us a victory over the enemy that comes to lie to us, steal away from us the truth, and to kill our hope. In this regard, stand us up in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Go be his kids. Enjoy your barbecue or whatever you're going to do. And uh, bring me the leftovers. <laughs>